This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson. I'm your host today. We're in the Nebraska Christian Studios, and I'm with my guest, Dustin Rogers. Dustin, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Dustin is the senior pastor at Heritage Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. He was here today to do chapel for our students at Nebraska Christian Schools. And we're going to listen to a portion of that message here shortly. But to set that up, Dustin, could you tell us a little bit about that message for our listeners? Why you brought that message today to our students here at Nebraska Christian? I just think it's an important uh, reminder from Hebrews chapter 12 about running the race, that those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ have the opportunity of running a race mm-hmm. uh, to bring him glory. So really wanted to get down to the nuts and bolts as to how how we can run that race well. Dustin, tell us a little bit about your church in Lincoln and kind of what's happening with your ministry there. Well, we're very excited. We're three years in exactly to this church, church plant, actually. We launched in 2009, God is blessing, and we're looking at the possibility of going to two services in January. People are being saved, getting right with God, and not without its struggles, mm-hmm. but uh, we're very thankful for what God's doing. Where is the church located? What part of the community do you minister to? We are passionate about the Havelock region in northeast Lincoln, where we feel like there's kind of a dearth of a gospel-centered, Bible-teaching church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of the uh, community we've adopted, and we're mm-hmm. committed to stay there in the Havelock area. Good. With that, let's join Pastor Rogers with today's message. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to study this passage of Scripture this morning. I trust that you'll find encouragement in it, and I trust that this will be a message that will be a challenge to you as well. This is one of those passages of Scripture that is an incredibly encouraging passage, but it's also an incredibly challenging passage of Scripture. And I hope that you find a great challenge in this wonderful passage of Scripture for your own life and your own walk with Christ. So let's read it together, and we'll pray, and we'll dig in and see what God has to say to us this morning. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. God, thank You so much for Your great grace. I thank You so much for Your Word and how clear and powerfully that it speaks. God, I pray that You would just use Your Word this morning through Your Holy Spirit to encourage, strengthen, rebuke, challenge, and edify us. God, we're so thankful that You have made it possible for us to have fellowship with You. We're so thankful that You sent our Lord Jesus to us. And Lord Jesus, we praise You this morning. Even as Psalm 113 has already encouraged us, we praise You. You alone are worthy. Thank You for coming, for living perfectly, for going to the cross, for suffering the wrath of God for sin. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for dying. Thank You for rising again victorious. We praise You and we worship You this morning. 
We ask for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at your Bibles with me this morning at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it starts with this word, therefore. And I'm sure that your teachers have instructed you, when you see therefore, it obviously means that it's connected to something before it. All right? So what is it connected to? When you see Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, when it says therefore, what is it connected to? Maybe Hebrews chapter 11. And somebody tell me, what do you know about Hebrews chapter 11? About faith? Anything else? Absolutely. Examples of people who've had faith in God, who believed God, and because of this raw belief in God, they acted on it. And so some people have called this chapter the Hall of Faith. And you have example after example after example of men and women, not people who looked on the outside like they were going to be superhuman, but just normal people, just like you, who simply believed in God. They believed in God, and because they believed deeply, they acted it out. It showed itself in their actions. And so Hebrews chapter 12 begins with this. Therefore, since you have such a great cloud of witnesses. When I first read that, I was like, what in the world is that talking about? The cloud of witnesses. It's referring specifically back to all of these people who've gone before us. Amazing saints in the past. People who simply believed God that you and have the, have the opportunity to read about. Maybe in some of your Bible classes, you read uh, biographies of people that had great faith in God. Maybe you've read the biography of George Mueller. Men like Charles Spurgeon. Jonathan Edwards. People who believed in God, and because that belief was deep within them, they acted on it. And God used them as instruments to do great things. This passage of Scripture clearly speaks in terms of a race. And what God initially tells us is this. Since you have such a great cloud of witnesses, consider all those who have gone before you. He says, you, now you guys, run this race. It's almost the image of a relay. Maybe you guys have done a relay before in which you pass a baton. It's kind of the imagery here. You have a great cloud of witnesses around you. Chapter 11 details it. You can look back in the history of, of Christendom and consider several people who you could look to and find inspiration in and encouragement in. And God is saying, look, take that baton and keep running. Take that baton and keep running. But the question is, how do you run? That's the legitimate question that you and I must ask this morning. And the thing that's interesting is that a lot of times I think we, we spend a lot of time in Christianity talking about how we need to have the passion to run. Run! 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 But we spend oftentimes little time talking about how we need to run. Okay? So the intent this morning, my friends, with you is to be incredibly practical. If you are saying this morning, I love Jesus... I love Jesus. When we sing these songs about Him, my heart is filled with praise and worship to my great God who left heaven and came to this place and willingly laid His own life down and shed His precious blood so that I could be forgiven, so that my guilt could be removed, 
so that I can have a relationship with a holy God and that one day I will die, I will shed this body, I will have a glorified body to enter into an eternal kingdom with God. If that's you this morning, if that's your heart, and you're like, yeah man, that pumps me up. Jesus loved me that much? Jesus loves me that much? And you're like, I want to run this race. I see that, Hebrews 12.1. We have a great cloud of witnesses. I want to run this race. This passage of Scripture tells us how. Very practical instructions. And so this morning, I want you guys to see with me for a few moments, a race well run. So check out your Bibles. We're just going to walk through this passage of Scripture. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also... Let us also, that's you guys, if you know Jesus, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. Okay, characteristics of a race well run, first of all, is freedom. You need the freedom to run. This passage, first of all, delineates a freedom from weights. Literally, this passage is saying anything that would slow you down. Now I want you guys to think about that for a moment. God says, if you want to run this race, if you are truly fired up about what God has done for you through Jesus, and you want to run this race, you need the freedom to run. You need the ability to run. Alright? So think about that for a moment. Okay, You guys could outline this. This doesn't take great intellect to outline this. Freedom. What do I mean? How many of you guys have ever trained for basketball or volleyball with ankle weights on? When I was a kid playing basketball, that was my thing when I was a kid, played basketball. A lot of times my coaches would have me wear weights around my ankles. And the, the idea was that it was going to increase your speed and quickness, etc. And you have like five pound weights around your ankles and you play a game. And sometimes we would play a quarter or two in practice, and I would have to wear ankle weights. And after a while, you kind of get used to them. At the beginning, it's really cumbersome, but after a while, you kind of get used to those weights. And you're just playing basketball, right? But then, you take those bad boys off. And literally, you should try it sometime, just for the fun of it. Literally, you feel like you can fly. I mean, you're like MJ all of a sudden, or LeBron. You feel like you, and, and then you go and try to dunk and you can't, right? But for a moment, you feel like you can. And it's cool. But that's kind of the concept that the author of Hebrews is going after or driving at. In order to run, you need the freedom to run. We just came through the Olympic Games. And I enjoy watching the Olympic Games, but sometimes it's awkward, isn't it? Like, especially when you get to, like, the swimming events. And you know you're supposed to watch this and everything, but those dudes are wearing, like, way, way too little, right? The Speedos are way too much. It's kind of awkward. But those guys are passionate, right, about getting into as little as possible so that nothing could slow them down. I mean, these guys even shave every ounce of hair on them and cover the rest of it with a cap, etc. Why? So that they can cut down any possible thing that would slow them down. What God says initially, and there's great application for us in this, if you guys really want to run the race, 
If you really want to run the race for Christ, you need to release yourself of extra encumbrances. Things that are slowing you down. Now, in this initial point, I'm not speaking about sin. I want to speak to you about things that aren't necessarily sin, but things that could be slowing you down. You guys got to think about it yourself. I could try to apply for our entire session today, but you have to think about your own life. What are some things that you would have to admit, dude, Dustin, I don't have time to run the race for Christ because I'm doing this every chance I get. Stay with me. Think about it for a moment. Listen, I'm not, I'm trying to be real with you guys. I'm not up here saying, you know, TV's evil, internet's evil. I'm not going to try to uh, prove that to you from Scripture. Are there things on those things that are evil? True. Absolutely. But I'm not saying you should take your television and throw it out. I'm not. But ask yourself the question honestly. Is it a weight? What are some things in your life that are weights? And you would have to honestly assess yourself to say, you know what? I can't really run this race because I'm so encumbered. These guys who are Olympians, they cut out stuff that you wouldn't believe. I heard recently that the great linebacker, Ray Lewis, he said on an on a interview with Jim Rome, I haven't eaten fast food in nine years. Think about that. How do you stay in such great shape so that you can have a long NFL career for your own glory and for the betterment of your team? I don't eat fast food. Ever. Like, never. I would rather be hungry than just stop at McDonald's for a double cheeseburger. Nine years. These guys like Michael Phelps, they get into these regimens in which they, they go to sleep at like nine in the evening. They get up early. They discipline their bodies. They make sure that when it comes time for the Olympic Games, their bodies are in pristine working order. Why? Ask yourself that question. Why? So that for a few minutes on a grand stage, they can get into a pool or on a track or on a court and they can be as best as they could ever be. Why? For the glory of having a medal wrapped around their neck. Maybe so that they can give their country glory. Is it not true though, my friends, that you and I have a much greater reason to run? Is it not true? You consider what Jesus Christ has done for you and the opportunity that you have to go out there in this world and run a race to bring Him glory. And yet you have Olympians sacrificing almost everything for that moment. And Christians like couch potatoes surfing channels and getting fat and lazy, etc., etc. Why? Because the race really isn't that important to us. Ask yourself the question, man, in order to run, you need to be free to run. You're never going to see a track athlete in a parka. But Christians, I'm afraid, in this society... Because of all of the technological advances, we are encumbered and we can't even run. We can't even think about running because 
the world has consumed our life. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about weights. Stuff that you don't have to be encumbered to. Okay? In order to run this race, you need freedom. Freedom from weights. Continue reading, though. What does the Bible go on to say? Let us also that you lay aside every encumbrance and the sin. And the sin, which does what? So easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you need freedom. Freedom, number one, from weights. But you secondly need freedom from sin. Just recently, Lance Armstrong was stripped of all seven of his Tour de France titles. Why was he stripped of those titles? Yeah, doping, steroid use, performance-enhancing drugs. Because of these illegal substances, he's kicked out of the race. Kicked out of the race. What does the Bible say? Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lay aside these encumbrances, these extra weights, these things that weigh us down and slow us down and and reduce us to a crawl spiritually because the world has encroached and consumed our life. Not necessarily bad things, okay? But when we add so many things to our life, we can't run. But also the sin. My friends, you need to understand that there is a cosmic battle at play all the time. There is a cosmic battle at play all the time. Dustin, what do you mean by that? What I mean is that the Bible makes it very clear, explicitly clear, that the devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And guess what else? Guess what is another strike against all of you? Another strike against all of you is that each of you has a sin nature. You have an old nature. You have a flesh that craves, okay, craves in its humanness, craves sin. And the devil is creating and manipulating this society and this world to prey on your flesh. And you say, well, Dustin, you're getting really creepy right now. And you're acting like this whole world is like this big booby trap. Listen, I'm not trying to be creepy. I'm trying to be real with you. That's the truth. In this society in which we live, No different really than any other society. The devil is working and crafting and he's so cunning to try to manipulate your flesh to draw you away from God's path and God's plan and into sin. Why? Because if you know Jesus, he knows he can't get you. All right? But he does know that he can keep you from running. Man, he can't get his hands on your life. He can't secure your place in hell with Him. But what He can do is rob you of an opportunity to display the glory of Christ in your world. And so the devil manipulates this society and he preys on your flesh. My friends, in order to run this race, if you love Jesus and you are so pumped about what God has done for you and you want to, in your mind and in your heart, you're saying, Dustin, I'm with you. I want to run this race. You need freedom to run from encumbrances, but also from sin. I want you to take a moment and examine your heart. A good exercise, my friends, a good exercise for you 
is to do what the psalmist did on a regular basis, and that is to say, God, search me, try me, know my thoughts, know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me, so that I might come clean before you. So my friends, there are strongholds that the devil wants to bring into your life that will, that will get you out of the race. Stop you from running for the glory of your Savior, for the glory of your King. So well, does, what are some of those? I don't, I don't need to spend a lot of time here as well. You know in your own heart, you know in your own mind the sins that you struggle with, maybe that you're entangled in. But consider these for a moment. What about pride? How many problems happen inside schools like this and churches because Christians are just proud and they let petty things fester? And instead of mutually submitting one to another and all to Christ, we're all about ourselves. It's about me. Man, this whole thing's about me. Did you hear what so-and-so said about me? How dare they? And life is just this constant series of offenses. Could pride be robbing you of an opportunity to run? What about bitterness? In this very chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, see to it, my friends, that there is not a root of bitterness that springs up and robs you, strips you, lays you bare. In essence, you could say, takes you out of the race. You're not really running. You're just here. You're a child of God. You're justified. Your position is secure. But in this world, you've been reduced to a crawl. Why? Because you're bitter. Man, something happened in your life and it was painful. And I'm not minimizing that pain. Something happened maybe in your family or maybe with a close friend and you have felt betrayed. I've been there, my friends. I've been there. You have felt betrayed and you're thinking to yourself, how in the world could God allow this to happen to me? And instead of going before the throne of God, instead of going before Him and finding grace and mercy and finding true answers, you've gotten mad at God. You've gotten mad at other people. And you're holding this bitterness and it's robbing you of an opportunity to run. When people look at your face, they see a face that is, is forlorn. They see a face that is sad or even angry instead of a face that's filled with joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of salvation. And so you can't run this race because you're bitter. Pride and bitterness. Sexual temptation. I'll be real with you guys. Okay? You're all teenagers. I know, I know that you guys are all inundated with sexual temptation. I know that. It's everywhere in the society. If you have a cell phone, if you have a computer, if you have access to television, everything geared towards teenagers in this society, at some way, shape, or form, ends up being sexual in nature. It will rob you of an opportunity to run. So when your teachers, when your chaplains come here and, and caution you and warn you to flee youthful lust, listen. Man, you want to run this race, you need freedom to run. Freedom from encumbrance, but also freedom from sin. It will rob you of an opportunity. The devil would love nothing more than to get you off the track and on the sideline in a heap. What about infatuation with the world? You know the reason why the reason why so many Christians 
are not running this race, when you look at their life, it's clear that they're not intentional about serving Christ. They're not intentional about advancing the Gospel. The reason is that they are infatuated with the world. This is why the Bible says, my friends, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Those who love the world cannot love the Father. You can't go both ways at the same time. You're going one way or the other. If you are in fast and hard pursuit of the world, fast and hard pursuit of everything that the world has to offer, and money and fame and gratification outside of the plan of God, you can't be running the race. So again, in our mind, you are saying, look, I see it. That God loved me so much that He sent His Son to die for me. I get it. I love singing songs about it. I'm with you, Dustin. I want to run this race. The question is, how can you run? Number one, you need freedom. You need the ability to run. Number two, you need focus. And with this, my friends, we begin to drive towards a conclusion. And I want you to pay close attention to this. Close attention to this. Because a proper understanding of this point will take care of point number one. A proper understanding of point number two will take care of point number one. Anytime you're running a race, you need to be able to run, but you also need to, and you know this if you're a track person, you need to be looking at the finish line, right? When you're in your lane, what do the coaches tell you? Man, stop looking at other lanes. Stop looking at the competitors. Stop looking at mom in the crowd and just look down your lane, right? In order to run, you need the freedom to run, but you also need focus. Man, you're zeroed in on a target. You are running down a track. As a believer, though, where should our focus be? In a nutshell, it should be on the Gospel. And you see it very clearly right here in this passage. So check out your Bibles again. We're just walking through this verse. So lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, how? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Now get this, guys. If you're growing weary at all in your love and passion for Christ, would you allow your eyes to read over these beautiful words? Who for the joy sat before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in order for you to run the race, my friends, you need the freedom to run, but you also need focus. Verse number 2 says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The motivation for everything we do as a Christian comes from the Gospel. That you and I have been accepted before God not based on our performance, but based on the perfect performance of Jesus Christ. Perfect in His obedient life. Perfect in His substitutionary death. In atoning for the sins of the world. He was buried and then perfect in rising. Victorious over the grave. Celebrating over Satan to say, you thought you had me down, but you have not won. I am victorious. You and I as believers, as we run this race, we are to run fixing our eyes on Jesus. Something we say at our church often is that you and I, 
need to become masters at preaching the Gospel to ourselves every day. Every single day. You see, the Gospel is not something that you move on from, my friends. And I know Brother Gordon is teaching you this often. But be reminded of it again this morning. The Gospel is not an event that you move away from. Like, I prayed that prayer. I've got that check mark. I've got my ticket punched to heaven. The Gospel is to be the foundation for every day that you live. This is why when the author of Hebrews is writing, he says, as you run, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author. And as you look at the the entirety of the Old Testament into the New, there is a beautiful redemptive plan that is scripted. Jesus Christ is the author of this redemptive plan. That He is so desirous to come after you, His people, and bring you back to Himself. That sin has broken fellowship between your heart and God, and God has relentlessly pursued you. Can you guys say amen to that? What a blessing that is. That our Creator and King has pursued you relentlessly. He's the author of this redemptive plan. And He's also the perfecter or finisher of this redemptive plan. When He hung there on the cross, He did so in your place, in your stead. He was buried, but then He rose again, victorious and conquering in His kingship. And He offers to you guys, my friends, He offers to you guys an opportunity to have a relationship with Him and then to represent Him. Literally like to wear His jersey as you run this race. Ask yourself the question this morning. Dude, I get it. I want to run this race. How do I run? You need the freedom to run. The hard truth is this. Some of you guys can't even possibly think about running because you are so encumbered. Some of us in this room this morning cannot even think about running well because strongholds of sin have taken up residence in our life. The urgency this morning from this passage is repent because at the throne of Of grace, there's always mercy. Always. There's always grace. There's always forgiveness. Repent and believe that God has forgiven. And then fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author of this whole thing. He's the perfecter of this faith. Did you get what the writer of Hebrews said at the end of verse 2? Did you get that he took joy in that? Is that not amazing? He considered it a joy to hang on the cross for you. He considered it a joy to be despised and rejected of men. He considered it a joy to be stripped bare and put to shame. The very One who created this place. It was a joyful thing for Him to do that for you. And He's given you the opportunity to run. To run this race. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. So in conclusion, my friends, are you in the race? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? If not, again, we implore you to talk to somebody. The Creator of this world and Creator of you loved you enough to orchestrate a redemptive plan that's beautiful. He offers salvation to you. as a free gift. If you've received this gift, if you know Jesus, if you love Him with all your heart, are you running the race? Can you honestly... Can you honestly look at this passage of Scripture and say, yes, I am running. I'm not perfect, but I am running. If not, what is God putting His finger on in your life this morning? What weight would He like to remove? What sin do you need victory over today? That this wonderful author and perfecter of redemption 
can easily set you free from. John Stott well said, the cross is the blazing fire at which the flame of our love is kindled, but we have to get near enough for its spark to fall on us. I would submit to you, my friends, that as you fix your eyes on Jesus, as you preach the Gospel to yourself every day, God will begin to strip away the weights. God will begin to strip away the sin and allow you to run. Not for the glory of a medal, not for the glory of a crown, but for the glory of the One who gave His life for you and took joy in doing so. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Your great grace. I pray, God, that You would take Your truth and plant it deep within the hearts of these kids. I pray, God, that You would cause some to rise out of this group of kids to truly put on Your jersey and run this race. Run this race with joy and with passion. I pray that You would receive great glory as a result. And we'll thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Dustin Rogers. He was our chapel speaker here at Nebraska Christian Schools. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Music.